Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Roy Green Show podcast. What you'll hear on today's podcast is Bill Wilson. He's the father of Jody Wilson-Raybould, the former attorney general. Chief Bill Wilson will tell us what his thoughts are about his daughter's testimony and the prime minister's reaction. You'll also hear Andrew Scheer, the Conservative Party leader, telling us why he called on the prime minister to resign. You'll hear about a criminal law case which could become more problematic to the liberal government than even the one that's unfolding now. And corruption in Quebec, the Charbonneau Commission. I spoke with Antonio Nicasso, organized crime expert. As part of the Charbonneau Commission, by the way, SNC-Lavalin's practice of funding political parties was investigated. And the New York Times view of the SNC story. That's all coming up. Jody Wilson-Raybould's testimony before the Parliamentary Justice Committee on Wednesday rocked the Trudeau government. I spoke with her father, Chief Bill Wilson, who joined us from British Columbia. Chief Wilson, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for calling me. As you were watching and listening to your daughter speak as Canada's former Attorney General on Wednesday about how she was pressured by the PM, the PMO, the Principal Secretary to the PM, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, the Clerk of the Privy Council, and at least one senior federal minister. What were you thinking? Out of standard Ottawa routine, I, I spent a number of years out there, not as an elected MP, but as a native Indian politician. And I, I know how the system operates, and it's a question of, you know, when you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Uh, if you don't, I'll bring some pressure to bear upon you, and I'll show you why it's in your interest to act in my interest. And, you know, that's the way it continues to go. But I was extremely proud of Jody's uh, preparedness. I mean, I've always been proud of her since she popped out of the room. And, uh, you know, she's never been anything but uh, thorough in the way she goes, and she's a, obviously a great public speaker. They clearly underestimated her. Well, I think they deliberately do that. You know, the facade of, uh, you know, this is a woman's cabinet. This is something we're balanced. Uh, we're going to do reconciliation with the Indians. Uh, you know, we're going to walk on the water if that's what you want us to do. I mean, it's all image and image building. And sadly, a great deal of politics, as you very well know, is based on image, not on substance. And I think what we have seen clearly uh, is almost a misogynistic uh, approach from a guy who said he was a feminist uh, to either on his part or on the part of the people behind him, you know, to now start to discredit you know, a, a very powerful, uh, intelligent woman who happens to be a native, who happens to be the first justice minister Indian people have ever had. He doesn't seem to be able to get into a constructive uh, exchange with her, and instead, the innuendo has now begun, and the attacks have begun. And what he said was uh, was, was afterward, uh, he completely, quote, disagrees with the former attorney general's characterization of events. 
And and when I listened to that, I thought he's he's trying to say that she made she's making things up. Well, there's no question he called her a liar. You know, he's uh, done a number of things to her. Uh, you know, kicked her in the teeth uh, when she was the justice minister for this very reason of not granting a favor to uh, political friends and then demoting her to uh, veterans affairs. As important her portfolio was that, and then treating her almost as uh, shabby. But you've got to remember, this is the ninth story this particular prime minister has had as his version of the facts of what really went on. And unless we get him under oath uh, and uh, have him cross-examined, we're never going to know exactly what went on. But I do know for a fact, and you must have seen it as the other people have seen it, you know, the credibility of a woman who has not only taken minute-to-minute but day-to-day notes and documents and uh, told us exactly what happened. But I really believe that they think that they can discredit her, one, because she's a woman, that's a major thing, but also because she's a native Indian and that she will bow to that kind of pressure. I find it very, very insulting, not only for Indians, but for, for women in general. I mean, the, and then not, the other day, uh, we have this guy from Matsqui uh, come out and uh, say that I'm pulling Jody's strings. I mean, I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, she's been her own person since she was a little baby. Yeah, but- I don't know anybody that would pull her strings. She's not one of the, the puppets like uh, the Department of Indian Affairs chiefs or Perry Bellegarde or other people who will do almost anything for an honorarium. You know, Chief, when I heard that uh, that comment made by that MP, I thought if somebody who's uh, relatively in the back benches is making commentaries like that, then somewhere along the way the green light's been given. Well, you've got to know something is, you must have noticed that he was reading. I mean, if it's a sincere apology from the heart, uh, why would he have to read it? But obviously it was written for him by somebody in the prime minister's office for him to read. And if they can get away with this little bit of stuff, what more can they get away with? You know how politics works as well as I do. You tell a big enough lie long enough and loud enough, eventually it becomes the truth. And and we will see very soon, in fact, when Butts gets up, he will say in so many words, you know, that Jody was very handsome, beautiful, talented, but she didn't seem up to the task because she seemed to cave into what essentially was the pressure of the moment. I can just hear him saying that now. And, uh, you know, of course, then he'll get his ambassadorship to France or where it is his friend wants to send him. And we will never know the truth unless uh, he's placed under oath. Well, Mr. Trudeau has to be there. I mean, he he has to be heard from. He has to be he has to testify. I don't think for Canadians anything less is going to be acceptable. You, you, you know what I think, and, and like I had some admiration for him. I have never met him. I did meet his father on twenty four or twenty five occasions in an you know, official basis. I've never ever met him socially, but I, I had a great deal of respect for his father because I thought his father was the smartest and most intellectual white politician I've ever met. He and Rennie Levesque and Hatfield were three of the people I considered to be equals of mine. But then many of them I did not consider to be to have that intellectual depth. And I'm afraid his son did not get any of that kind of talent, even though I thought Trudeau was a bit of a, a bit of an ass on many times. And nevertheless, he was smart. So much for uh, reconciliation. Exactly. And, that, you know, isn't that the tragedy... Uh, despite the fact that here we have a clear-cut violation, to me anyway, of the rule of law, and, and who do we resort to to protect us? A Native Indian woman who 
Muslims people have been subject to the abuse of those same laws. Funny, I mean, it is hilarious to me, and it makes such a mockery out of his his phony campaign to you know put lipstick on the salve lips of a. The Department of Indian Affairs, which spends $38 billion this year alone on Indian suffering, and less than nine cents of a dollar ever gets to the Indians. And the suffering, the bad water, the lousy health conditions, educational conditions still continue to exist and, in fact, get worse despite the fact that we have a huge bureaucracy spending huge money on our behalf, and it never gets there. It gets to the contractors, the lawyers, the henchmen, uh, the, the leeches like uh, facilitators and other people who bleed on the suffering of our people. If it wasn't for the suffering of our people, they wouldn't be making half a million dollars a year. Chief Olson, one of the things that I keep going back to, and we played the clip just before you and I started talking, and that is your daughter saying, I trusted him. Yeah, that was a mistake. But it wasn't a mistake. I mean, she was born and raised to, uh, you know, be trusting a people who, and give them 100% credit. Uh, you know, she was raised in order to ensure that, uh, you know, it was a relationship based on love and trust. And, uh, you know, clearly, uh, you know, she uh, didn't have it reciprocated. Have you had an opportunity to speak with your daughter since Wednesday? No, I have not. You plan to? I would love to. Uh, she's a little busy, though. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. How- she will be back, I understand, this week. And, uh and, and uh, perhaps we can uh, we'll, we'll get together. But you see, one of the things that really, really bothered me about this idiot from Matsqui, uh, Jat Sidhu, saying that I was pulling strings. Um, the reality is that Jody's an individual. Jody's been a been a woman since you know she was a teenager, and she's been an individual, free-thinking person. You know, far from my influence, although she has her mother's influence and my mother's influence and some of my teaching. But she's her own person. That should have been obvious to anyone that watched her stand up and and confront like three hours or three hours of questioning and you know it's just amazing to me that somebody like that could be so misogynistic as to insult her one because she's a woman but i don't have any question about the fact that it was because she's a native as well and coming from a minority group it always reminds me that you can stay in power if you get the minority groups to fight with each other divide and conquer get them to destroy themselves and you can stay on the throne let me ask you this question you said you'd uh, spoken with pierre trudeau on a number of occasions and so that takes us back to the 1980s and uh, here we are in 2019 how have things changed for first nations communities between well, the time of it was pierre a trudeau with, uh, with the young with the young trudeau he showed a great deal of promise he came out and i was surprised with his cabinet uh, and you know being half uh, half of them being women and then my daughter being appointed to the highest law enforcement officer in the country and uh, him talking about reconciliation and doing something about the Department of Indian Affairs. But I was very, very quickly disappointed when he put the rights portfolio, which should have belonged with the Attorney General, down into the Department of Indian Affairs, the lower echelons of cabinet seniority. I mean, 
Indian Affairs is treated even worse than Veterans Affairs. It's one below in terms of precedent. And so what went on was he continued to fuel, you know, the misery industry, which I've spoken of. It's $38 billion per year that goes into non-Indian hands, lawyers, consultants, facilitators, bureaucrats, builders, other people. And yet if you go on to any Indian reserve in this country, 65% of them don't have drinkable water. Our people are unemployed. They're on drugs. They're on welfare. They're on minority positions. I would happen to live in an area which is fortunate our people still made money out of the fishing industry, and we're a very prosperous area. Prosperous area, but the reality is that most Aboriginal people don't exist in those conditions. And since Trudeau, when I confronted him, and and I I know I bested him in 1983, uh, the conditions have worsened. You know, they certainly worsened under Harper. Nine and a half years of Dacronian right wing. Uh, racist policies that brought Indian people back to almost the 1950s, and now we're contemplating a, a new regime under Harper Light. Uh, you know, this goes round and round and round, and yet the Indians continue to suffer because they're an industry that nobody has to show any progress of. If you, uh, Roy, were an employee of mine, and you didn't show any progress, I would fire you, just as if I would expect you to do that for me if I wasn't showing any progress. The Department of Indian Affairs has spent billions and billions and billions of dollars every year, and our people have not progressed one iota. Uh, I, I I don't know if this question is relevant, but it's asked all the time, so I'll ask it. Do you think she will run for the Liberals again if, if, he, if Justin Trudeau signs her papers? I think she will, yes. That clearly is one of the issues. I mean, he has he has that authority over at least. Uh, you know, if he doesn't sign her papers, then of course she isn't uh, eligible for the liberal largesse uh, campaign money. And Jody is not a wealthy individual except in talent and looks. Uh, she would be able to, I doubt, able to finance that kind of campaign. But I I would recommend to her that she run again, even if she has to run as an independent. I would hope that she doesn't run as a as a conservative or an NDP because we've seen what the conservatives have done. We've seen provincially what the liberals have, or the liberals, Socrates, and NDP have done to Indian people. Uh, they have been just as bad as the uh, the draconian tendencies of Harper. Well, let me ask you this question. We have about a minute left, uh, Chief Wilson. I'm going to be speaking with Andrew Shear after the break at the bottom of the hour. What do you want to see? What What should the Conservative Party do now? What What's their responsibility in all of this? Uh, resign. Uh, give all the money that they're raising to fight the next campaign directly to every Indian in the country on a per capita basis. Get rid of the Department of Indian Affairs. Stop wasting our time and money doing this. He said, she said, you know, my dad's bigger than your dad kind of thing. The reality is that uh, I don't, I've never met the man. I've never met young Trudeau either. But to me, it makes me sick when they, they're arguing over our land, our rights, our resources while our people suffer. And they aren't doing anything. And his government under Harper, and he is considered now to be Harper Light, were the most draconian, as I said, and I love that word, back to the, the past kind of treatment of Aboriginal people. You should tell him to be honest and maybe have some policies in regard to when he does get elected, if in fact he does get elected, to create a super ministry that puts under the thumb of a powerful minister like Jody Wilson, although she's not a conservative, I doubt ever will be, 
the opportunity to make decisions about government, true opportunity. Don't give it to the armpit of government and pretend that the con- any change is going to take place. Well, I'll tell you this. If Indian I, people need to make decisions for themselves. If I were the leader of the Conservative Party and I was elected Prime Minister of Canada, your daughter would have a very prominent position dealing with the issues that required to be dealt with, and she'd get a free hand, too. Um, well, I tell you, if I was the Prime Minister, I'd have to resign and let her do it. Chief Wilson, it's great speaking with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Chief Bill Wilson. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Conservative Party leader Andrew Scheer declaring he was second and appalled in the wake of the Parliamentary Justice Committee testimony by former Federal Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould immediately called on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to resign. I spoke with the Conservative Party leader about that, and here's how that went. Mr. Scheer, thank you very much uh, for taking the time. Um, The Prime Minister said, quoting him here, he, quote, completely disagrees with the characterization of events by the former Attorney General. First of all, who speaks that way? And then secondly, uh, it looks to me like there's a, there's a uh, program, an effort already underway to discredit the former Attorney General. Uh, your thoughts on that? Why are you asking Trudeau to step aside and what you're willing to do to bring the weight of your party to bear on this case? Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, quite simply, we're calling on Justin Trudeau to resign because he has uh, lost the moral, moral authority to govern. He has broken faith with Canadians. He said some, he has said some things that simply aren't true. You'll remember the first day that this scandal broke, he said that the allegations were completely false. He went on to say that at no time did he ever direct or even put pressure on Ms. Wilson-Raybould. Uh, we now know that they did. Uh, they now admit that. So that's that's the first thing he said that turned out not to be true. Uh, the second thing was when he said that Ms. Wilson-Raybould never came to him with her concerns or to say that the, the pressure was inappropriate. Uh, we now know that that was uh, false as well, that she went directly to his face and said that uh, any further pressure would be inappropriate. Uh, I do believe that you are correct. They're trying to discredit her. Uh, I don't understand how uh, you know they can just get away with saying well, that's her truth. What she has said is her side of the story and her version of events. It reminds me of the alternative facts uh, uh, debate in the U.S. with Donald Trump that uh, you know they just say things that aren't true, but they just say that that's their version of it. Uh, so. Mr. Trudeau's completely lost uh, any respect and any credibility that he had on this entire issue. You know, the question during the election campaign and over the next few weeks particularly is going to be, what would the Conservative Party do to rectify what the Liberals have done to Jody Wilson-Raybould? How would you how would you address that? What are you going to do? What are your options? And how do you address First Nations communities who were told there was going to be reconciliation and that's not the case? How do you how do you re- how can your party, if you can, how can you rescue this situation? 
Well, as it relates to SNC Lavalin, the the Miss Wilson Raybould was doing the right thing. She looked at the decision from the director of public prosecutions, determined that the the, the decision not to grant SNC Lavalin uh, a special deal not, was the right one, and that she was not prepared to intervene based on political pressure. Uh, then that's when the government went to work trying to to use their power to intervene to get their friends off the hook. So it was when she was removed from uh, from cabinet, uh, or at least from that position, that uh, that then allowed the Liberals to, to to go ahead and put someone in that would do their, their their bidding. There's been some talk about separating the role of Attorney General and Minister of Justice. Uh, that's something that uh, obviously we are uh, contemplating. I just will point out that uh, it is a Liberal. Problem that the, the prime minister should have done is just taken the advice of his lawyer. Uh, the attorney general serves as the prime minister's, the cabinet's top lawyer, mm-hmm. and they should have just taken that advice and, and said, "Okay, well, if our lawyer is telling okay. us it's illegal okay. or Mr. It's Shear, to continue, let's just stop, stop there." Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I we have about four minutes here, and I, I want to get some more questions in, and I, I I really wanted an answer on how you rectify, how you rescue this situation, but we can we we don't really have time to pursue that now. Um, um, do you see the resignation of, by Gerald Butts in a different light now? Do you have a sense he quit or was he sacrificed to the volcano god by powerful individuals within the Liberal Party hierarchy, as in if Butts goes, there goes the pressure on the prime minister? Well, that is a very interesting question. We're still trying to figure that part out because uh, normally when someone resigns to, to, to take the heat off their boss, they, they, they have some level of, of responsibility or they indicate that uh, you know they were acting on their own and, and, and you would assume that Mr. Butts would say, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau never told me to do this. I, I got carried away. It's all on me. That's normally what happens in these situations. But, you know, he resigned and maintained that there's no reason for his resignation. He said he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, we're going to have him back at Justice Committee this week, so we're going to uh, obviously hear from him uh, directly. But the, the, his resignation has not in any way brought more clarity or distanced Justin Trudeau away from the very heart of this matter. Do you not find it unusual? I mean, not unusual, but isn't it not unusual? But isn't it fairly uh, clear why he wants to appear before the Justice Committee, or am I just seeing? Uh, am I just seeing things? Well, I, I mean, again, you know, trying to, to trying to protect the boss. What his motivations are? He's either trying to protect the boss, or he's trying to protect himself. What what Jody Wilson Rabel has laid out is are very serious charges that, uh, as, as we've called for, I believe, warrant at least a preliminary investigation by the by the RCMP. But at the minimum, shows what type of characters these people are. And I imagine that uh, Gerald Butts is worried about his reputation for whatever future career he may have. And uh, but but. Again, Again, you know, they have had weeks. They have had weeks to get to the bottom of this. They they voted down our attempt to have the Justice Committee invite key witnesses. They then voted down our request to have a public inquiry. Justin Trudeau still refuses to waive privilege on the critical period of time between uh, the day that Miss Wilson Rabel was shuffled out into the Veterans Affairs role and the day that she resigned. He won't do that, so he's still controlling what she can say. Uh, so I, I don't believe that any of these individuals, other than Miss Wilson Rabel, have any credibility because they've all been trying to hide the truth and she's the only one that's been trying so to So will your party will your party then defend Miss Wilson Raybould uh, at the justice committee level and elsewhere if she as she become not if but as she comes under attack 
Yes, absolutely. And, and, and just on Thursday in the House of Commons, a Liberal MP from British Columbia uh, got up, you know, made some comments in the newspaper saying that, she, that he believed that uh, Ms. Wilson-Raybould's father was pulling her strings, that she just couldn't handle the stress. And we demanded that he apologize. Uh, I disagree with Ms. Wilson-Raybould on policy issues. She's a Liberal. She ran for the Liberals. She, uh, she had a different uh, set of, of, of priorities and, and, and program goals than I do. But no one has ever doubted her integrity on this. And if she's making accusations, if she's saying that things happen, yeah. liberals who are named in her testimony need to respond to that, not demean and undermine her character. That is completely unacceptable. All right. Mr. Shear, thank you for the time. Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Good talking to you. The leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, Andrew Shear. Criminal law case which could become more problematic for the Liberal government of Canada than even the SNC-Lavalin, PMO, Trudeau, Jody Wilson-Raybould case is the one involving former Vice Chief of Military, Admiral Mark Norman. I spoke with Brian Platt of the National Post. Listen to this. Brian, for people just picking up the case of Admiral Mark Norman, what's the uh, criminal case about at its most fundamental? It's a, it's a leaking case. It's about the government prosecuting somebody. Well, the government handed over a leak case to the RCMP, and then the RCMP chose to charge Vice Admiral Norman, who is the second highest officer in the military, with leaking cabinet information about a project to secure a Navy supply ship. So basically there was some disagreements over which within government over which supplier they should go with and some people had a preferred an option from a Quebec shipbuilding company called Davy Shipbuilding which Mark Norman himself preferred he is alleged to have leaked information to both lobbyists working for Davy and to the media about this project and has been criminally charged with breach of trust um, there are questions about how, according to protocol and rules, uh, the contract for the building of the supply ship for the RCN was handled, as you just mentioned, and whether regional issues became priorities for Mr. Trudeau and his cabinet ministers, so not Davy so much in Quebec, but perhaps they wanted Irving in St. John. Well, Ir- we know that Irving wrote a letter to... So the Liberal government came in... in in early November with a, the Davy project had not been finalized yet, but there had been a letter of intent signed. So in order to go with Irving, you would have had to cancel the letter of intent. And there was a, I think a, not about a $90 million penalty you would have had to pay. It wasn't 100% set that you were going with Davy yet, but there was a letter of intent signed. We know that Irving wrote the liberal government as soon as they came in to, to urge them to reconsider this. And at a cabinet committee meeting, Scott Bryson, in particular said you know pointed out this letter and said to his cabinet colleagues we should be thinking about this and we should be careful and we should not necessarily go forward with the Davy project and so it was around this meeting where Scott Bryson uh, was bringing concerns to his colleagues about the Irving proposal this is where the leaks came out this was November 19th 2015 I believe was the date of the meeting so it was leaks around that meeting where suddenly CBC had all the details of what was being discussed and the fact that the Liberals were looking at pausing the Davy contract that that was uh, what prompted the investigation into who was leaking this information 
The uh, Admiral's home was raided by the RCMP. He was removed from his position as the Vice Chief of Staff of Canada's military. All very serious business. Now, where does the Admiral's legal defense team challenge what the government is doing? They issued subpoenas. And why are they targeting Trudeau, Butts, and Telford, which is the top of the liberal hierarchy, or was until Gerald Butts resigned a couple of days ago? Right. So... Mark Norman has a very high-powered legal team. It's the firm uh, Hennon and Hutchinson, including Marie Hennon, who was, you know, famous for defending Gian Gamashi, but it has defended many high-profile uh, cases in Canada over the last decade or two. Uh, a very, very competent and aggressive legal defense team, and they are pursuing a whole bunch of different angles of defense here. You know, part of it is that they feel that. Leaks happen in Ottawa all the time. People are always leaking stuff to the media to get their preferred way. And that Norman has been sort of unfairly plucked out, possibly because the government was just embarrassed over this and has been, you know, treated, uh, basically had his whole career destroyed and potentially going to jail because the government was politically embarrassed over this. That is one of the arguments that his legal team is making. Before this even gets the trial, though, the trial is set for August, so the trial is still quite a ways off. We are we have been in a big paperwork fight, which is over government disclosure. Mark Norman's defense team has issued a huge range of subpoenas for government information, so that, as they put it, so that Mark Norman can have a full defense, so that he can fully answer the criminal charges. So they've subpoenaed tens of thousands of documents and there's been a big fight over turning those over so that's what we've that's what has been happening up to this point what is about to happen though at the end of march is a abuse of process motion that they are bringing which will essentially say this case should never even go to trial that there has been mark norman has not been able to defend himself because the government has not been cooperative in handing over documents and i suspect we haven't seen the motion yet but i suspect that they will argue this was a politically motivated prosecution and that the government was too cozy with prosecutors that prosecutors are supposed to operate independently and and you know we don't know exactly what they're going to argue in that motion yet because the motion hasn't been filed but they are trying to the subpoenas they're focusing on right now are information for that abuse of process motion. And so that includes all the correspondence about this case from the top people in government that they are trying to get, including searches of their personal phones, of anything they've ever talked about in regard to this case and the prosecution and investigation of Mark Norman. So that's Justin Trudeau. It's Trudeau's chief of staff, Katie Telford. It's Gerald Butts, who was his former principal secretary until he resigned last week and uh, a few other senior government staff who there want to see all of their personal records so that they can decide how to structure this abuse of process motion. You know, the more uh, I read about the case and your, your, your piece in the, uh, in, in the National Post is outstanding, but the more I read, the more I begin to question the reason for a criminal charge against the admiral, and I begin to see it more as a, this is editorial comment on my part, I know, but I see it more as a case of, federal government interference in the process of building a naval supply ship in order to support companies in certain constituencies and provinces. And these days, particularly now, the alarm lights go on when you start hearing federal government communicating with prosecutors. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the court case has become 
you know, Norman's defense lawyers, as you as you would expect, have been trying every single angle they can go at here. And so we've had uh, every day, even though up till now it's just been sort of a paperwork fight, it's been fascinating because they always Norman's lawyers are always kind of bringing a new avenue of defense and and or a protest over how the prosecution has carried this out. And so among the things that they have argued is that based on some meeting notes that has been disclosed so far, it looks like Crown prosecutors may have been having strange conversations with government lawyers. And instead of, you know, this is the government is not supposed to be part of the team prosecuting Mark Norman. The government is supposed to be a third party here that is disclosing records in a neutral fashion so that Mark Norman can defend himself. And so this sort of some of these meetings between prosecutors and Privy Council lawyers, the Privy Council is the top government department. It, you know, Norman's team has raised a lot of concerns about this, saying it looks like the government's not being a neutral player here. And of course, the matter of disclosure is key for your defense. You need to be able to view all of the information that might be relevant to fashioning your defense against a criminal charge. And so I think that's one of the grounds that Norman's team will bring forward in this abuse of process motion is that they have not been able to defend Norman to the extent that they should be able to within our criminal justice system because the government has not been cooperating in handing over documents and has been too cozy with the prosecutors. There's uh, Brian Platt, National Post parliamentary reporter. Corruption in Quebec. For more than two years, the Charbonneau Commission investigated the infiltration of the province's construction industry by crime groups. I spoke with Antonio Nicasso, who testified before the Charbonneau Commission and is an organized crime expert. And as part of the Charbonneau Commission, there was a lot of talk about SNC-Lavalin and their practices as far as delivering money to political parties is concerned. Listen to this conversation. Good to speak with you. It's It's been a while. <laughs> You're right, Roy. So uh, what, what do you make of, first of all, if I may ask you, what do you make of what's going on in Ottawa as far as SNC and the federal government or the, provin- the, 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 the prime minister's office, the prime minister and the former attorney general is concerned? What is, are any alarms going off? Fighting corruption uh, usually is a sure way of uh, boosting uh, public trust, but uh, governments are not doing uh, enough to address uh, this issue, and some even have uh, an interest in doing nothing at all. I I don't think we are taking seriously uh, the problem related to corruption. Now, the, uh, the Charbonneau Commission was supposed to, what, its, its objective was to get to the bottom of corruption in the construction industry in, in Quebec. And as it was going on, I was living in Quebec at the time, so it was fascinating to watch it, watch it unfold. But I kept thinking, Antonio, this isn't just Quebec. This is happening across the country. Correct. I don't think uh, corruption will stop at the border. 
And, uh, and I think uh, what uh, we learn from the Charbonneau Commission was that uh, uh, corruption was widespread in the awarding of a government track, uh, contract. Uh, we learned that uh, Montreal Municipal Contract were hermetically sealed by a cartel of 10, 12 colluding firms that uh, took turn winning bids and paying 2.5% to the mafia, 3% to the party in power, a city hall, and 1% to city engineers. Sometimes we said, oh, but mafia is so distant from us. I don't buy narcotics. I don't pay protection money. I doesn't care about the mafia. The Charbonneau Commission was a learning process for many Canadians because uh, we learned that uh, uh, there were people who use uh, contingency funds, taxpayer money to bribe politicians, to bribe uh, city engineers, to pay uh, the mafia, the, the sort of uh, crime family in, in, in Quebec, 2.5% of taxpayer money on any public work. So this was part of the price of doing business. You wanted the contract. You had to pay. Exactly. And this is, uh, uh, unfortunately, a way of doing business in, in many provinces. And, uh, and, uh, and, and if you see the name of the people involved in those scandals, they recur over and over. Uh, we had uh, the leveling. They were investigating during the Charbonneau Commission. And they are still uh, on the center of our political attention. And, and uh, I was a little bit disappointed with uh, all of uh, uh, that effort uh, because they uh, one of the recommendations was to uh, establish uh, an anti-corruption police force and an anti-corruption police force was created in 2011 but if you have to uh, now summarize uh, their efforts we can say that the rest have been plentiful but trial and conviction and conviction uh, you can you can count uh, in a hand so and in jail term it's rare so the idea that uh, people can get community service uh, prison terms measures in months so it's it's, a, it's a, we don't give any example we don't punish those people in the right way because we make them serve some hours in community service to do nothing so it's 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 not uh, there is not deterrent and I think when you deal with the public money when you try to bribe a, a, a politician or when a politician decide to enter in a collusive uh, engagement with with uh, um, builders or with many other people I think it should be punished uh, because that's the only way to uh, restore public trust. We want people that uh, uh, that serve citizens, not to just take advantage of the awarding of a government contract. Yeah, it's 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 almost uh, it's not funny, but it's unexpected when, as you pointed out, uh, the organized crime received less kickback. Yeah. than did the 
the politicians and the municipal engineers. Exactly. That's in, a unicum. In Europe, usually, the organized crime uh, gets uh, a better percentage compared uh, to politicians. And, uh, and uh, uh, clearly, that say that the, the level of, uh, of, of power that people at City Hall has and, and accumulate over, over the years. Uh, and I don't think we, we, we are doing... Uh, we are doing enough. Now, how how deeply uh, is this entrenched into the into the uh, the reality of government contracts being issued? How deeply is the the idea of of graft and uh, and and payoffs and, uh, and and taking advantage of public funds to you know to bribe somebody? How how much of a of an entrenched part of the system is that? We had, uh, I don't know if you recall, but we had the Royal Commission in Ontario, the Waste Commission, investigated the infiltration of the mafia and the construction industry in the 60s, and the, the, the Charbonneau Commission, and many other things. And so we learned that the, 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 there is a way of doing business. Uh, Sometimes uh, there is a, an exchange of uh, utilities or favors. Uh, uh, you help me uh, to uh, get a contract. Uh, help uh, your political campaign. I will. Uh, uh, I will make sure that all my workers uh, get uh, two, three hundred dollars in cash to pay for uh, plates uh, during a dinner when a politician is raising money and and. and bypass the, the, the legislation in terms of uh, uh, founding to, uh, to, to, to candidates involved in public election. There are so many ways, and, uh, but the problem is that uh, we don't see uh, this, the connection between organized crime and corruption. I always used to say that the, they can be corruption without mafia, without organized crime, but there is no mafia without corruption. Corruption is a, is a, is a better tool than weapons. So you cannot go and shoot people all the time. You attract the police, you attract the media. Uh, the best way of doing business is corruption. Promise to help a politician. Uh, try to, to, to invest money. And then the, 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 the justification is that, oh, but they, they provide a job. So what does it mean? It means that we just legitimate the idea that there are people more equal than others in front of the law. That's that's ridiculous. Everybody should be punished if they break the law. The idea that because they provide job, because they provide job to many people, we have to be careful with them. That's wrong. That's a wrong message that we send out there, wrong message that we send to the new generation. It sure is, um, and 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 then I'm thinking uh, as well because I, as I said, I lived in Quebec for ten years uh, until 2016, and as all this was going on, as the Charbonneau Commission was investigating corruption in the construction industry, uh, that was the same time. The very same same time, Antonio, <clears throat> excuse me, as the Champlain Bridge was a scary thing to drive on, 
overpasses were wobbling in the wind. I'm not really exaggerating. Yeah. And 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 you would go under a under a, a bridge or a, a road overpass, and you would look up kind of tentatively, hoping no piece of concrete was going to come down and land on your windshield. I mean, that was the reality. It's so the the corruption was taking place, and the work was shoddy. Exactly. Exactly. Scary that's stuff. The bottom, that's just the bottom line, and you have a uh, you have a, a, a great recollection of a memory because that was the most important aspect. Not the fact that they were using contingency found to bribe people. The fact that they were using cheap materials yeah. to 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 build the bridges and to and and to do infrastructure, and that's the, the worst part of the story. Uh, and, and, and this is what uh, what uh, what the reality of, uh, of of corruption. Yeah, I used to be on the Champlain Bridge, and if I was stuck on that thing, yeah. and it got windy, I actually got concerned, and I know I wasn't the only one. Yes, uh, Antonio, always good speaking with you. Thank you so much for the time. My pleasure, and thanks for having me, Roy. Take care. Antonio Nicasso on The Roy Green Show. He's the author of 27 books on organized crime, including Bad Blood, Mafia Boss, Vito Rizzuto's Last War, and a television series based on Bad Blood is on Netflix. And how is the SNC-Lavalin affair viewed outside Canada's borders? The New York Times published a story titled The Strange Story Behind the SNC-Lavalin Affair. Writer Ian Austin took part in a conversation with me about that story that he wrote for the Times. And here's how the column starts. Seven years ago, Elizabeth Malk and my colleague in Mexico City and I worked for one of the... Uh, worked on one of the strangest stories of my career. It involved a consultant from Mount Forest, Ontario, with no previous experience in the Middle East, being sent by construction and engineering firm SNC-Lavalin to assess the turmoil in Libya that eventually led to the overthrow of its dictator, Colonel Muammar al-Gaddafi. For $100,000, the consultant, Cynthia Vanier, wrote a five-page report condemning the NATO-led bombing campaign against Colonel Gaddafi's forces. She wound up in a Mexican jail charged with trying to smuggle the dictator's son into that country and remained there for 18 months. Ian Austin joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I have rarely, Ian, read a more interesting, more compelling, and more, let me read the rest, the rest of this fast, intro to any story in my life. It was a very, very bizarre tale, Roy. And, and we <laughs> still don't know the, the, the full extent of it. <laughs> So she has no experience at all uh, dealing with the Middle East, but but here she is, um, sent to sent by SNC Lavalin to assess, as you write, the turmoil in Libya that eventually led to the overthrow of its dictator. Yes, and it was a, she was a consultant who worked mostly with indigenous groups in Canada. Uh, it, it never was clear exactly how she made her connection with one of the senior vice presidents of SNC-Lavalin, who by coincidence was had his corruption charges thrown out just over a week ago because of time delays. Um, but first they sent her over there, paid her $100,000 to write a five-page 
piece sort of defending Colonel Gaddafi, uh, for which she was praised enormously by the company. Then the next thing we know, she shows up at the Mexican jail. She had a house in Mexico, uh, and she's charged with conspiring to smuggle uh, Colonel Gaddafi's son into that country uh, as things fell apart in Libya. Uh, it, the plan obviously didn't work out, and her story is that she was there promoting a water project for SNC Laughlin. It, 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 it just becomes more and more and more strange. The more stories you hear, the more strange uh, the whole thing starts to sound. And there's so many component parts of it. You mentioned an individual, uh, a senior executive whose case fell apart. Is that the same guy who's doing 20 months of house arrest for the... The $1.3 billion hospital project in Montreal, or I'm losing track now? No, 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 you're losing track. That's another guy. That's the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Then there's other people under investigation with RTA Bridge. Uh, The company was found to make illegal campaign payments to mostly to liberals, to conservatives. It just goes on and on and on. Now, I mean, I will say that all of this happened under the... Uh, old management, old leadership at that company. Um, same, well, the shareholders have always been pretty different. Shareholder being the case to Depot, the Quebec Pension Fund. Um, but it was certainly a different, a completely different people run that company, which I guess, you know, leads us to the situation Canada finds itself in at the moment. Yeah. So you're writing about this for Americans, for American consumption, New York Times. Well, actually, global consumption, because global that paper's consumption, read. Yes, global consumption, right? yes. Global audience. Yeah. yeah. So what, what, of what you wrote, and we have about four or five minutes here, what you wrote, of what you wrote and what you found out, what is most significantly important for you to have shared with your readers? About SNC-Lavalin's past, or, yeah, or yeah. Um, and 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 what's yeah. at stake now? I mean, you have an air, you have a little, you have a line here that says, "What's at stake?" I mean, that's that's so important. I mean, that that brings us to the fundamental reason for what's going wrong here. Yeah, I mean, without sort of getting into who done what in the uh, behind closed doors in Ottawa, all of this, and and the case of Volkswagen, I think, is another interesting parallel, right? I mean, Volkswagen engaged in this massive criminal conspiracy. That's right, for the uh, diesel engines. Engines, you know, they and it was extraordinary. I mean, in, in a way, you had to sort of fiendishly admire them because they, they figured out that when cars were tested, their pollution controls were tested, the, the steering wheel wasn't turned. So they uh, rigged the software, and if it found the car was driving at high speeds and the steering wheel wasn't turning, it, it concluded it was being tested for pollution controls, and, and the engine cut back and didn't pollute. So what do you do with these companies? Um, uh, you know, I, I, I guess there's... The scenario here that, that faced the government, and we can talk about this a little more, is that uh, if SNC-Lavalin is convicted criminally in this in the, the case regarding various bribes in Libya, um, there's a couple of possibilities. One is the uh, stock price sinks very low. Uh, an international, another international engineering company buys it and moves it somewhere. 
the other is because it can't bid on Canadian government contracts for 10 years, it shrinks dramatically in size here in Canada. Canada actually accounts for, it has more employees now in Britain than Canada, but still, there's 9,000 people here who depend on the company. Now, we can talk a little bit about how real those threats are, but that's kind of what confronted the government here. Do If you company, um, should you also be punishing its employees? Now, I heard the emergency debate in Parliament some uh, members of Parliament saying, yeah, these employees are skilled, they'll find jobs elsewhere. Uh, but I'm not sure that's a consensus view in Canada. Yeah. Now, there, there's also there's a there's a, a process underway now to change this 10-year disbarment reality. If you're found criminally responsible, if you're criminally convicted as a company, and you're disbarred from bidding for Canadian federal government contracts for 10 years, that's all being in the process of being changed to whatever they're going to change it to. And so sometimes, I mean, I read John Iveson's piece in... Uh, in the, in, the, in the National Post, and he said Trudeau never should have pursued the issue with Jody Wilson-Raybould, but he did because he could. Well, you know, I've, I've spoken with a number of constitutional scholars on this, and and it's interesting. There, some I think the consensus, and I, you know, obviously I've not spoken to everybody in the country, and there are people who disagree with this, but what I took away from most of them was it's completely fair to bring up this issue. Now, where, where people have problems with it is, most of them seem to say, but you don't then bring up what it means for your party electorally. So you can talk about the job losses, not talk about your political... Like, I'm, the, I'm an MP from Quebec. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, if he indeed said that, that's, you know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll hear his version of events one day. I, don't, I can't imagine she was sitting in front of the prime minister making contemporaneous notes, but... Um, yeah, you don't do that sort of thing. The other, the other area, and again, you know, the, the, these, there's been a lot of talk this week about laws being broken, but this, the rules governing how the government should deal with its attorney general, there are more, you know, there we've heard this, this terrible, these, the Shawcross principles. I mean, you know, things are getting a bit desperate when news stories start talking about principles presented in the British House. Well, of I know, and, 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 and some people are thinking about, wasn't that a movie that I saw? <laughs> yeah, sorry, it does. It does sound like a bit of a spy movie. Um, but these things are very vague. They're very, very fuzzy, you know, and uh, I mean, it would appear to me that it's, well, and I know this process underway, too. I, I, yeah, Ian, the, the signal, unfortunately, is deteriorating. The phone signal is deteriorating, and you warned oh. us about that, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Uh, let's let's try it for another 30 seconds and finish your thought, please. Can, 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 can you hear me better now? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, I can. Okay. Um, um, that, you know, maybe we need, like, real rules about this, clearly defining things. And some, some people I spoke with proposed that perhaps this isn't something political aides should be talking to political aides about, that it should only be dealt with cabinet minister to cabinet minister. Um, there's a lot of thinking has got to go into this. And, and it, it seems that that process was in the works, too. But the only thing they did get through was, you know, the law that allowed them to uh, um, to find a, a way to settle the court case. <laughs> Maybe the, the other two parts should have landed. At the yeah, you know, and, I, and I'm just going to add this, and then I, because it's 
we're sort of reaching the break time as well. And I'm enjoying talking to you, but uh, I believe, and I'm going to be talking to a, a, a very skilled lawyer tomorrow about all of this, that I think Jody Wilson-Raybould may very well have saved the government from an obstruct justice charge. Now, I know that the, the, the ice gets kind of thin when you start talking about things like that. But but when because she did not support any, did not move on a DPA, uh, when the prime minister and the PMO and the principal secretary and the chief of staff and the finance minister, according to the former attorney general, got engaged, there's a... Um, this is this is a pretty pretty deep waters that are staring back at you. Yeah, I, I I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a columnist. I I, I thought varying opinions about that yeah. um, because you know it's important to remember in all this that that SNC Lavalin to settle this wasn't going to pay a fifty dollar fine, right? This wasn't a, a a total get out of jail card. So there would still be a substantial penalty. There just wouldn't be, uh, you know, the the red stamp of yeah. the criminal conviction. Yeah. Well, Ian, I, I'm going to take you back to uh, some lady, uh, some woman, some 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 person uh, who was a consultant uh, from uh, Mount Forest, Ontario, with Cindy Vanier. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Excellent. Thanks, Roy. It's a pleasure. Hope you come back. Thanks. Bye-bye. Ian Austin, New York Times. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 